today I've got the pleasure of introducing an old friend of mine, uh, a very longtime friend of mine. I can say that now because it's been over five years. It's, I don't know. I think we met in 2014. Um, I think so. It's been a long time. So we're college friends uh, who have transitioned into adult friends. Uh, but as you know, that, that's, a, that's a few evolutions uh, because you're a very different person in college than you are after you start paying taxes. Now, before I go any further, y'all need to know that this entire conversation, this right here, was recorded all through the phone. So please excuse the audio quality. But yeah, let's get back into it. Megan is a middle child. Just want to start there. Um, <laughs> she's also on a South floor. <laughs> she's a softball uh, player back in the day. She'd like run, catch all the things. Um, she's an athlete. She does Muay Thai now. She kicks people. Um, she punches people professionally. Um, she is an entrepreneur and, uh, and now she just kind of like globally shots. Like I think she has a laptop. So she basically lives wherever that is. I will say this is the first time that like the first fact someone has said about me is the fact that I'm a middle child, (laughs) (laughs) which makes me wonder if I've like underestimated the importance of that fact my whole life. (laughs) Uh, let's see. I feel like since I'm talking to you, I'm like obligated to tell people that I'm, I'm an Enneagram seven. They do it. Yes. I, I am like a typical Enneagram seven. And I, I knew for sure that this was true when I was reading, I think it's like Enneagram and copy or like one of those Instagram accounts that say funny things based on your Enneagram type. And there was one that was describing type seven. And one of the, um, like the, the things a seven would say was, I'm really into blank right now. And I was with a friend when we read it and we both just kind of like looked at each other. And then like our eyes slowly traveled to my hobby corner where there was like two tennis rackets, um, rock climbing shoes and a chalk bag, skis, ski boot, rollerblades, boxing gloves. And I was like, yes, nothing has ever described me better than the enthusiast. Oh, 100%. Megan does everything full on. Like that's just... Because why not? Like, why wouldn't you? <laughs> like, why, why wouldn't you? Well, people, I love it. Uh, also, within that same thing, sevens are really, really big about community. Uh, and mm-hmm. Megan is also very big about community. So that's going to be really important as we're kind of like talking uh, through a few things. But I think one of the questions that I'm sure is on some people's mind, maybe not all people, is like, like what does even a workday look like for a social uh hobby passionate you know what I mean individual who has a job but isn't satisfied with 40 hours and like wants to do another job like work for themselves <laughs> like how what, what's your day like your day do you have balance like what does it look like yeah I'm still trying to figure that out to like stuff because I feel like I'll have some weeks where I feel like I'm really like nailing the balance and then some weeks where I feel like I'm not but um, I heard somebody use the phrase one time that we shouldn't try to find balance in life, but that we should just try to find the right tension. And I, I think that that quote has been something that I come back to really often. Like, we're not supposed to feel like we have, you know, the perfect amount of social on this side and the perfect amount of work on this side. Like, we're supposed to feel a little bit of tension all the time. And it's something that you have to navigate every day. Um, but to answer your question, I just moved back to San Francisco after being in Texas during the pandemic. And so I'm kind of getting back into 
you know, really having to schedule my time and have a routine. So right now, even though I'm on the West Coast, I'm working East Coast hours. So I get up at about six. I start working um, my day job. So I'm a product marketer at Google. And I do that from about six until about 2 p.m. And then I go straight to Muay Thai training um, most days of the week. So um, Muay Thai training for fighters starts at three. And I do that from about three to five. And then five to five thirty, I'll do either some strength or conditioning, um, also for Muay Thai fighting. And then I will either um, spend the next like, you know, couple of hours as my social time. So maybe that's like going to dinner with friends um, a couple times a week and then pretty much beyond that. So maybe like 730 um, working on my side business, which is the and brand for like the final couple hours of the night. And then on the weekends, I try to dedicate like three to four hours a day as well to and brand stuff. So definitely not a lot of wiggle room. Um, but so far, I'm surviving and making it work and not feeling too incredibly burnt out. Yeah. Okay. So here's a hyper personal question. Uh, I, I know the answer, but I'm curious uh, about like what you would add to it. Um, do you think this is more doable because you're single or like? After <laughs> that, that's a great question. Um, yeah. So one thing that um, I think is Obviously, like the pandemic is really horrible, so I don't want to say that it's necessarily a good thing, but some some good that I found in it was, you know, I was in Texas for the past year and a half, and um, I didn't have a lot of friends there from high school, so most of the friends that I ended up making were through my gym, so I would kind of get to have that social time while I was training Muay Thai, and there were times when I felt like, okay, should I be trying to date? Should I be building my social circle? And I kind of came to this conclusion that you know this was just a season where it was about accelerating at a pace that I would never be able to in my normal life you know if I had social obligations and things like that so I think that I spent that last year and a half almost like trying to get a jump start you know in my athletic career in my entrepreneurship and my my business venture um and then you know I kind of expect that as I get back into regular life, moving back to San Francisco, and once my company makes us come back into the office, I expect that I won't be able to dedicate quite as much time, um, you know, to to the business and um, to Muay Thai. But I'm hoping that that kind of overage of time that I really threw myself into during the pandemic will, you know, kind of make up for that. Um, but I guess for dating, um, I mean, I think, yes, it does enable me to at some level, but I also just feel like that's the kind of life that I really like to live. So I guess part of me is just hoping that, you know, <laughs> at the point when I... Yeah, like my right relationship wouldn't stop it. Yeah. <laughs> and like maybe I need to date somebody that's like also in the same sport or like also has a business and like, you know, quality time maybe is sometimes <laughs> working <laughs> together. Um, but yeah yeah I don't know that's a hard question um and you know it's not like I don't have any free time I think one of the things that I've realized um and again like still working on cutting this stuff out but if you say you know you work 
okay, maybe like I'm not working eight hours a day right now. Maybe I'm working like seven hours of like really focused or six hours of really focused time in my day job. Like that's a lot of hours left in the day. And then if you look at the weekend, again, like a lot of hours left to spend with people. I think the question is, how much time am I spending in areas that aren't priorities? And so I kind of went through and I was like, what are my priorities right now? My priority is like being an incredible athlete. My priority is building my business. My priority is um, doing really well in my job. And then my fourth priority is like maintaining and building relationships that actually matter. Like not the relationships that are going to come and go, but like the ones that are like relationships. And if I look at my day and make sure that almost 100% of my time is going to one of those four priorities, it's actually incredible like how much you can get done and also invest in people. But, you know, if, if I'm spending hours on social media or like watching Netflix, then to that point, like, no, it's not possible. But when you get rid of all that stuff that's not a priority, it's kind of incredible how much you can, you know, fit in one day. That's so true. Yeah. So I'm assuming you do sleep. Oh, yeah. I sleep like eight to nine hours a night. I don't compromise on that ever. That's good stuff. You're like, that one, that one says. <laughs> okay. Fun fact about Megan. I forgot this one. She likes stuff about the brain. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like randomly will like share information that she finds interesting. Um, one of the bits that you shared with me a few years back uh, was about how like a balanced brain makes better decisions, right? Mm -hmm. Um, so like like if you're like mentally okay like you'll be like more creative like entrepreneurially Mm -hmm. that stuff whatever anyway we know covid has taken quite the mental toll on a lot of people Mm -hmm. uh how are you like creating just like balance out of your life but in your like mind so my mom's a therapist and i was talking to her shut up actually when yeah, we love Chris. Mama Wash. I was talking to her um, on the way to the, which she dropped me off to come to San Francisco. And um, I was just telling her, like, it's crazy how I was getting kind of emotional about actually coming back to SF because so many things have happened in my life, like both good and bad in the past year and a half. And also just so much change. And I think like when you're so busy, a lot of times you don't take the time to really process all of that. And so coming back to SF, I was getting really emotional and I was realizing it's because like it was all hitting me like all that that season was and that despite like the fact that I'm coming back to a city I used to live in a lot of my friends are gone like a lot of things have changed and uh you've changed I've changed yeah it, and she said she was like you know you always handle things that are hard really well and so we were kind of talking about why that was and I told her like I think I've gotten to the point where, how do I say this? So I fully, fully believe that like every single bad thing, not that like, not that they're automatically like good thing, but that every single bad thing causes a pivot in your life that can lead to something good. And when you go through that enough, you know, and you look back at every hard thing that you've gone through, but also the things that never would have happened if you hadn't gone through that hard thing. It's almost like you can start to be so sure of that, that you can feel some of those positive emotions, even in the midst of the hard thing, instead of waiting for the good thing to come. So I think that now, like when I'm experiencing something hard, it's not that I don't feel the emotion of whatever that hard thing is. 
But in my mind, I'm so sure because I've seen it so many times that like something I can't expect that's going to be amazing is going to come out because of this hard thing. It's almost like I start feeling that positive anticipation, like even in the middle of whatever the unwanted thing is. And I don't know. I, I didn't realize that until I was having that conversation with my mom. But it's true. Like right now, you know, if something awful happens, I would grieve and I would, you know, it wouldn't be easy. But there would be a part of me that would be like, okay, cool. Like my life is about to take a turn and it's going to be a great turn. And I'm also excited to see what that turn is going to be, you know? Yeah. And I think you're also like this with like friends, like, you know, just like with people in your life when you hear of big things that have happened. Mm-hmm. I am wondering how much of that has to do with the Enneagram 7 personality type in general. <laughs> so, you know, because I'm sure there's like listeners who like feel differently about like big changes and like we're all different in that way. But I'm curious yeah. about how much of that has to do um, just because I know like as like a 7, there, there can be a lot of like attachment to like positivity mm-hmm. as like a fuel for moving forward. Um, do you feel like that? I guess. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure that that's a part of it. Um, so I won't like discount that. I know that everyone should feel that way. At the same time, okay, if something happens to you, right, and you don't yeah. know what's going to come next, I think sometimes people think, oh, well, by believing something good can come, I'm lying to myself, right? Like, I'm being falsely positive. It's like, well, you don't know what the future is going to hold. So any story you tell yourself is just story. Yeah. And so for some reason, we convince ourselves that believing the negative of something, whether that be about a future situation or a current situation, right? We convince ourselves that like the negative thing is the more true version of the story always. And it's like, no, that's not true. It's still just a story. And so why would I not choose to believe the thing that's probably going to benefit me and help me work through and like ultimately grow the most out of that situation? So I guess it's like the same with interpersonal conflict, right? They, I have a conversation with somebody and it could be interpreted one of two ways. It could be interpreted as like, oh, that person was totally taking a jab at me. Or it could be interpreted as they totally didn't mean that. And it was like, really you know meaningless and they didn't mean anything personal by it okay well unless i ask them (laughs) or unless i have like insanely strong evidence to believe one or the other both of them are just stories that i make up and tell myself yeah so if one of those stories is going to make me feel bad and potentially like be more insecure in the future with friendships or to have bitterness against somebody And the other story is going to allow me to let the situation go, maintain a great friendship and not have a grudge. Why wouldn't I choose the other one? Like, it's not lying to myself. It's just choosing the thing that's going to help me the most. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement. I think that's really good. I'm glad that you like broke that down a bit more. Um, So I'm wondering with like you choosing the positive outcome while balancing a lot of things, while going through a lot of transition i'm sure like a lot of people would like classify you as like an ambitious person um how does that how do you feel like it's an addiction like are you addicted to the way life could you see yourself living differently at all um that's a good question yeah totally because i think there have been times when i 
live like that. You know, like when I first moved out to San Francisco after college, it was very much like I went to my day job, you know, I did that, but then I wasn't involved in Muay Thai. I wasn't involved in building my own business. I was just living life, you know? And I think that there's just seasons for both of those. And I think that I generally, I think I know when the season is changing and like when it's time to take a breath and just like live. But I, you know, to some extent, I do think not so much as an addiction, but I think just a part of who I am is like, I'm very driven. I find joy in growing. Like to me, the point of life is to grow. Um, somebody actually, I think you were there, uh, yeah. went on the girl, the girl's trip to Utah. And I don't remember, did you ask the question about what, what's the purpose yeah. of life or like what brings you joy? Yeah. Yeah. And it's so true. Like I had this kind of epiphany, I guess, cause I was going, you know, as a lot of people did the past year and a half, like go through these existential crises about what we believe that, um, I was just thinking, you know, what's the purpose of life? And, you know, I personally believe like in intentional creation and like God, like that's my, you know, that's the belief I subscribe to. And I just have this epiphany that, okay, to me, the purpose of life is to discover all of who I am. And yes, that's also like a very Enneagram thing to say. I just believe like how crazy is it to think that there are things about yourself that you either would be like insanely naturally good at or gifts that you have or interests that you have and you don't even know they're there yet. Like yeah. that's so cool to think about. And so I almost think of life as like this big treasure hunt of, you know, how well can I actually get to know myself before I die? Like how many oh, for sure. cool like things that God put in me can I find before my life is over? And so I think that always like trying something new and like quitting things and starting new things and trying to be great at things like to me, that's just part of the, the game, you know? Oh, 100 percent. And while we're on this topic, just a quick note to all of you. Uh, Megan is a singer. She comes from a musical home. She is a musician, like a musical person. Um, she has got an amazing voice and we have a holiday special before this year's up. And I've asked her to send a cover of some sort. So you will hear her eventually so remember that you heard this part about her needing to like explore all of her you know capacity I'm, I'm, I'm honestly so glad that you're gonna make me do that because that's always something that's on my list like sometimes I think to myself like I love seeing and I think that you know once I'm not at the age anymore where I can be quite as athletic or something like that's something on my list of things to explore about myself Honestly, okay. So what I like is that because because Megan, like you're such an athlete, right? So obviously when you performed in college, it was like a jarring moment for a lot of people who had always seen you one way because uh, they're like, oh no, she like sings. Like it's just not, because you know how sometimes you have a friend who like, hey, I'm that friend for a lot of people <laughs> who like sings, but it's like, it's more like I love you because you're my friend, not because I would buy your song. You know what I mean? It's like, I, I can admit that because I try to make people tell me that they would buy my song <laughs> a lot. Um, and they're always like, girl, we love you for who you are, <laughs> but I would buy my EP. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I would buy her EP. Uh, so uh, that's, no, nah, that's only cause you're really good. But no, she's really good. So it's like, it's a, it's a good one for sure. So question about like the, the whole thing with, um, balance and when you take breaks so like when you step away from something to pick up something else 
does that typically happen when you feel like you're demotivated or like because you you were talking about starting and quitting and I know you choose your words so I don't know if you like wanted to say quitting or if you just meant like it was time for that season to like end um, like what happens I think some of both like I think that I think that quitting is a really good thing uh, I read I read this book over the uh probably a year ago and it's called range and the premise of the whole book is that we live in a world that pushes you to specialize because that's how you get ahead faster. Mm-hmm. But if you actually want to look at the long game and think like, well, how do I have a successful life? And how do I discover who I'm supposed to be? And how do I find the most fulfillment in life? It's like if you look at the people that are in their 50s and 60s and 70s and just tell you like, hey, I love my life. Like, I love what I'm doing with my life. They're people that actually maybe were slower to succeed in the short term. Because they quit things really fast. Like if you try something and you realize you're not good at it and you don't like it and you keep doing it, like, <laughs> why are you doing that? So many people are in jobs that it's like, you know, they're mediocre at, they don't like it. And then they stay in the job forever. And because tenure, really, retirement, yeah, tenure. And like we have this weird psychological thing around commitment, right? And, you know, of course you need to know that you're able to commit. Like, I think that's really important to teach yourself, like have something that you're committed to. But how are you going to find that brings you joy and like is your passion if you keep spending all of your time doing things that you don't like and you're not good at? <laughs> no. No, you know what? This is fun. Because I've been thinking about commitment a lot lately as a person because I like I consider myself to be committed, but also not. Right. Um, And I think I was listening to. No, I know this. I was listening to a YouTube video um, where these two people are married to each other and Mm -hmm. they were talking about how they're not loyal to one another. Right. Um, Because they think that's unproductive. Um, But they are loyal to particular principles and values in their lives. And for as long as they continue to share that and help each other, then like that marriage will grow. Um, mm-hmm. But they're like, I don't want like a blind loyalty to you. And then you become a person who like has values and attributes of things that I don't respect. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Because that's not beneficial, right? But then it got me to think about like commitment and loyalty overall. I was like, oh, shoot. Like, do I, because I think like when you're growing up, like it's kind of like, you get like the basic lesson, right? Like you commit to what you said you were going to do. So you said you draw, now you draw forever. <laughs> it becomes like a little prison sentence. Um, but if you're committed to joy and drawing brings you joy, right? Um, then you do it for as long as it gives you that. And then you stop when it doesn't. Um, yeah. And so like, I, I think that's kind of what I'm hearing you say is like maybe committed to like values or like particular like end goals, um, but not necessarily like, in activity um because yeah you want like, yourself room yeah like i'm committed to health right like i think that honoring my body and like treating it in a way that's gonna allow me to be healthy later on in my life like i'm committed to that but like some people take that and they're like okay well i'm gonna do keto for my whole life and then even when research comes out and tells you that keto is terrible for you unless you have like PCOS. And then, you know, and it's doing keto like 20 years later. She's like, I've been it. Like, okay, well, that's what happens when you commit to, and to your point, like an activity and not a principle. 
right? And then it's like, well, you feel like a quitter if you quit this one diet. But if you're right. into your health, then, you know, that's going to be dynamic and that's going to change. And, you know, maybe that's like softball when I was a kid and then it was, you know, just lifting weights out of college and then it was Muay Thai and, you know, I don't know. I, I totally agree with that way of looking at it, like you said. Yeah, I also love this because I think committing to principles forces um, the issue of self-education, right? Because if you actually care about an end goal, then you'll learn, right? Um, yeah. You won't just take someone's word for it because it does matter to you personally, right? Whether or not you get yeah. the end goal. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's super good. So I feel like we're getting a really good sense of just like you as a person. I want to know a little bit about your business. Can you like talk to us about it? Like, why was your job not enough? <laughs> yeah, so I always like I've known for a long time that I wanted to start a company. I couldn't really tell you why. Besides the fact that, like, I just think it's fun and, yeah. So, I don't know. I have no idea. And I wanted this. Yeah, okay, so first of all, I, of course, need to shout out my co-founder, Rebel, who I met um, in ninth grade. We played each other. Our, softball, our high school softball team played each other in playoffs in, like, a very contentious game. And then um, just a few weeks later, we both went to the same softball camp at Baylor University. And I think we were roommates. And that's when we first met. And then we went to college for a couple of years together and then um, kind of like reunited um, in the past couple of years. And um, anyways, it was really random. Her and my brother threw this um, event that was all about entrepreneurship. Like Rebel really has a heart for just helping people um, start businesses and be successful and you know she's done that herself like she was a, a teacher actually and she totally taught herself photography taught herself design and now she does that um she quit teaching and she has her own um consulting kind of freelance business where she does that for companies so anyways her and my brother were doing this event and my brother decided to use me as a guinea pig where we were essentially breaking down the limiting beliefs we had and understanding like, why are we not, why do we say we want to start a business, but we haven't done it yet, essentially? And so he's asking me all these questions and he's like, you know, well, what business do you want to start? And at the time, it was some technology concept that I had. So I'm explaining it and he's like, okay, well, you know, why aren't you doing that business? And I said, well, I'm not an engineer. I don't have any technical expertise. Uh, and, and so he just looked at me and he was like, why are you picking a business idea that you know for a fact you can't build? Oh, yeah, I'm like, uh, that's good that's good <laughs> I was like I don't know I think it seems like a good idea and he's like yeah but you literally can't do it <laughs> right you don't have that many friends or engineers like it'd be one thing if you have an idea and you have a best friend who's that engineer, and you're like okay let's build this business together but he was like you're limiting yourself like you say you want to do this thing and yet you're purposefully creating this idea that you'll never have to know if you'll fail at because you can't do it in the first place. And so he was just really pushing me on, you know, why do I want to start a business? And then, you know, I was kind of thinking like financial freedom. And also like, I feel like there's just messages that I want to tell to the world. I think in today's day and age, companies are a big part of social change. And, you know, as we're breaking it down, I'm realizing like there's 5,000 different ways that I could start a business, all of which I can actually do and succeed at. And so Rebel was there and we started talking later that day about ideas. And um, all of a sudden, the two of us are just realizing, like, 
hey, we both have in common that we live very unpredictable on the go lives. Like I just told you my day earlier, right? It's wake up at 6 a.m. It's work at Google. It's go to the gym for two hours. It then go straight from there to happy hour. Like I can't run back and forth throughout the day and like in between every single one of those activities. And yet we had this realization that almost every company nowadays is like becoming more and more niche, right? It's like there's one company that creates your lounge athletic wear. And then there's another company that creates your performance athletic wear. And then there's another company that creates the suitcase that you can take um, when you're, you know, traveling for two weeks. But then there's a different company that creates the weekender that you want if you're just going for a couple of days. <laughs> so we're thinking, like, why is it that ourselves and so many other people we know are so multifaceted. We are on the go throughout the day. We need things that go, that transition with us, you know, from work to play and everything in between. And yet companies are profiting off of the fact that they're not being helpful to us. Um, For sure. And yeah. And so all of a sudden we're just like, dude, let's just make a company that isn't about a single product. It's about a type of lifestyle. And then we don't benefit from like making every tiny piece as specific as possible so that you'll have to come back to us for another one. Like we could make one bag and make it the most useful bag ever and never make another bag and our business will still succeed. And in fact, we'll succeed because we help our customers. Um, and so anyways, that was like the long story short of how the business idea came to be. And then... um we, we didn't know what we were going to name it. And I was driving home actually from that conversation. And all of a sudden it hit me, like my word of the year, the year before had been just and, think the word and. Because um, I, long story, which is maybe a whole other podcast conversation, but I just got through like this whole year of growth and like, you know, really hard stuff and discovered some parts of myself that I'd always viewed as negative that I realized were actually necessary and actually like really beautiful parts of myself when used correctly. And so anyway, I, I had made my word of the year and, and so I'm kind of driving home and I'm like, oh my God, the and brand for people that refuse to choose. Like our brand is all about the and in your life, like mom and manager or athlete and, you know, super feminine, whatever those ands are. It's not only the message that we want to get across, which is all of who you are is exactly what the world needs, but it's also just helpful, you know, like products that understand you're more than one thing. And aren't trying to charge you for it in the yeah, economic, yeah. right? Because capitalism, I swear to you, every episode has me talking about capitalism, at least for two seconds, <laughs> because it is it's the bane of my existence and still yeah. it informs me. Um, because whether I like it or not, it's raised me, right? Um, mm -hmm. so here we are, a product of something we're protesting, but that is fine. That's for another day. <laughs> uh, you just like really quickly, um, said a word that I know means a lot to you and that's why, uh, and I know that word means a lot to Rebel as well, right? Uh, so you guys are always talking about like the why behind what you do or like, so can you maybe share a little bit? about why why means so much to you <laughs> why does why mean so much to me hmm. 
Yeah, that's a good question. Like in any specific context or just the the overall concept of why? Oh, I, I don't know if there's a separation for you, to be honest. Here's my personal bias, right? Um, I struggle to imagine a world where you would ever hire or bring anyone onto your team who didn't have a why. Mm. Or a sense of it. Yeah. Like, I literally think, I think it's core to who you are. Uh, so I'm kind of like, maybe let's like unpack that for a minute as to like, well, why does it mean so much to you? Like, because even I think down to like friendships, I think um, things that you're doing, people like that you will take lessons from, you know, because like you don't accept information from all people. Uh, so it, it's just one of those things. I'm like, I'm just curious about like poking this one a little bit, because why not? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, okay, so about our why. Man, I just think like people's stories are so interesting. It's like, so I guess like that's the first interpretation I have is everyone has a why. It's just a question of like whether or not you've taken the time to understand what you're doing, you know? And to me, it's like, to your point about hiring somebody that has a why, like, if, if I want to bring you on board or if I'm going to work with you or really like my friends, right? I think this is something that's really important. Is it's like, I want to have a crazy authentic relationship with you. And it's going to be hard to have an authentic relationship if you don't really have an authentic relationship with yourself yet, right? And having an authentic relationship with yourself is like a mandatory to have and really understand what your why is, you know? Um, yeah. So, I, I guess that's like the, the basic answer is I, I want to have people in my life that, that have a purpose for what they're doing because that's indicative that they've like taken time to understand themselves and that you know, they're, they're going through their day intentionally. They're going through their life intentionally. They're not just letting life happen to them. Um, and they understand what they're uniquely positioned to impact because of their specific story. Yeah. So have you met any like why-less people? I think some people avoid figuring out what their why is because it's like too big of a question, you know, and they feel like they're going to get lost in it. Or I think sometimes they're afraid they don't have one and they don't want to find that out. So they just avoid it altogether. Or, you know, like a lot of times the thing that becomes our why is stuff that's been really hard or it's rooted in some pain, you know? And sometimes like people just haven't like gotten to the point where they're ready or willing to confront that, which Actually, I guess that leads back around to what we were talking about earlier. How, like, you know, a lot of times the pivots and the purpose in our life comes out of the things that are really hard and painful. And, yeah. and you know, it's like if if you can't confront that hard and painful thing, you're also never going to be able to recognize the do like the different direction your life is taken because of that thing. Um, so I, I don't know, which I think is really sad because it's like if if we have been given the ability to like take control of the narrative of our life, even when things happen to us that are outside of our control, like you're letting go of so much power that you have um, over your own life and you're giving power to whatever that thing outside of your control was that, that caused you to change direction. Oh, a hundred percent. And like, speaking of paying, uh, I mean, the last year of Trump's presidency, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> <laughs> it was all bad, but then like he had coronavirus and it just got worse. 
But a lot of things uh, happened in that year. I mean, even like in our friendship, right? Like we've had a lot of transition, but I know that you've been kind of growing in like DEI, just like awareness, like, um, and just kind of figuring out like where you want to like fit in that space. Um, so I'm curious about like what, because I know that on a lot of like personal, professional, and then just like, like live uh, social care awareness, like it's affected you, right? Um, so I'm curious about like how that like flows into your business modeling now, because you're building this from the ground. I mean, you're building it with a partner, but you're a big part of like what's happening in the business. So like with that level weight and also with like the pain that's like allowed for this pivot, like, like what's changing? Like how, how is the end brand going to be different than a traditional white woman owned business? Yeah, well, that's like a lot to unpack, uh, but I will do it. So I feel like some of this kind of goes back to the the why, right? Like one thing that kind of concerns me in our world today is I think that there's a lot of peeper, peep, peeper. <laughs> I love peeper. I love peeper. <laughs> I love peeper too. I think there's a lot of people that don't have the why for diversity and inclusion and equity beyond culture is telling me to do it and I don't want to be a pariah. Right. You know, like, I really do think that if you ask a lot of people, like, why are you focused on expanding your hiring? Or why are you trying to make friends with people that don't look like you? The answer would be, if they were honest, um, well, I don't want people to think I'm racist. And, like, that's not a good why. Because it has nothing to do with anyone that's not you. Like, it's 100% self-serving. Yeah. 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 100%. And um, and also, I just think it's sad because, like, then you miss out on the deeper whys, which there's, like, so many. Um, but I think that for me, for my personal why, and I won't even go into this because it's way too long, but the short story, like, I would say I was very blind to racial inequity until I did an internship um, at a a nonprofit that was in inner city Houston. And that was like the first time I'd ever been in a neighborhood where I was the one that like stuck out and really had this moment where I was like, oh, I feel uncomfortable. And it wasn't because the people around me, you know, were of a certain color. It was the fact that like I was the only one of my color. Um, and in that moment, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how the black and brown people I know feel a lot of the time in the world. And it's not comfortable. Like it's, I'm aware of it, you know, like it's something else that's added to my mental load all of a sudden. And so realizing, like, number one, realizing that there are people that walk around in environments where I'm so comfortable with that mental load on them was really heartbreaking to me. And I just realized like, you know, people are expected to perform and act comfortable while carrying this load. Like, I think that's a big thing that I now care about and that I feel like I have a bit more empathy for. Uh, And so, you know, I think in every environment, then we should be thinking, are there people here who are carrying the mental load of feeling isolated because visually there's nobody else that looks like that, you know? 
And I think until you're in a situation like that, you can trivialize it and be like, yeah, but people are people. Like there's people in the room who are friendly, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, it matters. It's psychological. Like our brains are wired for like tribalism, right? Oh, 100%. And and one of the most um, immediate factors that our brain is going to look at to be like, do I belong here? Is this my tribe? Is the color of people's skin? Like it is what it is, right? Like thousands of years of evolution have led us to that place. And so... If somebody is walking into a room and nobody looks like them, their brain is immediately going to be like more guarded, you know, like it's it's just going to change the whole dynamic of the situation. Yeah. And then you add like political, social power to the space and then that reaction isn't imagined, right? Like it's real um, because yeah. depending on where you sit on that coin, right? Like it, it there's like we, you know, that flows into that mm-hmm. space. Um so like we talked about this yeah. before the call, but like one of the ways like that way can feel is like I've walked into boutique stores and I've even like like seen other people's experiences of walking into boutique stores um, where they're not the target market. Right. Because um, it wasn't built mm-hmm. for like black and brown skin. Uh, and so you go into the space and you immediately feel like I have to prove that I'm not stealing anything right now, um, mm-hmm. which like changes the customer experience. Right. And also hurts the businesses because consumers are multi-faceted, multi-racial, multi-ethnic. Um, yeah. Right. So it, it's just bad business planning at the end of the day. Um, but like, I agree with you. I do think that when you enter a room, like it, you feel it differently. Uh, I, I just think that the power dynamic is like worth mentioning because it does like add, there's, there's like that added layer. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. That's, that's a good call out. Um, and I think like, you know, we kind of touched on this earlier when I was talking about how, you know, one of the things that I think is like purpose in life, like the purpose of life is to uncover all of who we are. Yeah. I think something that like really kills me about like the current world we live in is like there are people who were created for so much who it's like a privilege for me for me to be able to say, I want to go and pursue finding all of who I am, right? Mm. Because that's like assuming that if I want to go explore something, I'm going to be able to. And I think like few things break my heart more than knowing that like there's so much potential inside certain people and the world is going to miss out on it because we're so focused on like black and white definitions and putting people in boxes they were gonna like both shut that individual off but also shut ourselves off from like the gift of that person bringing their whole self to the world just to make things easier for us you know and don't get me wrong like i think that there's a lot around bias and unconscious bias and all these things right that are like ingrained in us like it's it's our brain right Mm -hmm. but at the same time we live in a world, at least like let's say in the U.S., where, you know, even even a lower income population is still better off than like the, a, lo- a lot of other places. And they're for now. We all. Yeah. For now. <laughs> yeah, I know. I like we're watching America and it's changing. <laughs> yes. And especially like white white people like we have enough space in our brain like we have enough like 
how do I say it? Like we we don't have too, uh, we don't have too much mental load to where it's like preventing us from processing our biases, right? And so I guess what I'm saying is there is opportunity, hundred percent opportunity for all of us to acknowledge what our brain's natural tendencies are or, or our cultural tendencies, because, you know, you can't control where you grew up or where you were raised, but none of us have an excuse for not validating the assumptions we have before acting on them. And like to, to not do that, to not take the time to say, oh, I just had this reaction to somebody. I'm not sure why. Let me think about why. Let me ask myself that question. Was I wrong? Let me retrain my brain. Like choosing to not do that in this day and age is just laziness. And our laziness, like your laziness is causing people to not have the ability to achieve their potential or even uncover their potential in the world. And like, that's just one of the most wrong things that I can think of. Yeah, no, I'm hundred percent. It does mean like something that came to mind as you were talking about, like just the, you know, like people dying, not knowing the fullness of who they are, um, that sort of thing. I immediately thought of how racism actually prevents, right? Any sort of ism, right? Like, so homophobia, like racism, um, all of it, like it a hundred percent prevents people from actually meeting themselves at core. Um, Mm -hmm. because you are a different person if all of your friends look like you, right? Um, There's a whole different, right? Like you talked about like choosing your tension, right? There's a whole part of you that ceases to exist as a woman, as like a business person, like, because you have no reason to exercise those muscles because there's there certain tensions you don't have access to, right? Um, and I, I just really believe, and I think you do too, that like tension is formative for like who we mm-hmm. become as people, right? But then also who we see, right? Because I think part of why some businesses are failing and are doomed to fail uh, is because they are blind, like actively blind. Like women don't exist to them. Children don't exist. Like trans- as long as these people stop existing, that's like a whole vein of income that's never coming your way. Uh, Cause you don't see them. So they don't see you either. You know what I mean? Like we're just all going to be blind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's like, you know what I mean? Like actual growth. Uh, and I, I do think that while there's been activists saying this for a long time, like economic charts are like shifting there slowly. I think it takes a little while longer, but this is like, this is logical. It will happen. Uh, less and less Americans and less of people globally are going to look like any, like what will majority culture be? Right. But then I think, when that shift happens, we'll be having a very different conversation because majority culture and power is going to be wrapped up not in white people, but in whiteness, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so that will be a different, right, like thing to kind of work through later. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious about like how you're inviting racial tension into your life um, and also like how that maybe affects the way that you're like thinking about shaping your business and moving through that. Mm-hmm. Um, welcoming it into my life. Um, I mean, I think like one piece is just like, you know, am I prioritizing comfort in the way that like everywhere I go and the things I do are focused on me, like being comfortable in a place that looks like me, right? Like, I think that if we all go throughout our week and we never once are in an environment where you know, people don't look like us, like that's a red flag. <laughs> and, you know, I, 
I think there's just simple things like that that we, because I think, you know, sometimes it can be hard. Like you don't know what you don't know. Like if that's what you're always used to, right? Like you're not going to notice that. But there's like things that we can look at in our life and say, you know, is this indicative that I'm like living in a very insulated way? And I think that the first way to like have a business that honors DEI is to have like a life that pursues being in uncomfortable situations and walking, not walking in other people's shoes, but like hearing people, like really, really hearing people, like not hearing people with the need to like respond or defend yourself, but hearing them and just like choosing to believe them. And I think that practices like that in our own life have to come before any sort of DEI effort in a company because then it's just fake, you know? Like if yeah. you haven't figured out how to, and, and it's not black and white, you know? Yeah. It, it's it's complicated. It's not my heart. And like in pursuing that, like a lot of times we really screw up and it makes us feel like idiots. And it makes us feel like horrible people. <laughs> and you know what? Like sometimes we are horrible people. Though I guess that shouldn't be surprising. But, but all I'm saying is like, I feel like it's so many times people are like way too anxious to make their life on the outside look tidy. Yeah. And, and I think I understand that pressure. And I'm like, I've definitely felt that before. Um. But, you know, like, I think it's questions like this, right? When, you know, when something's going on socially and you feel the urge to, like, post about it on social media, I'm not saying that's automatically a horrible thing. Because sometimes, like, causes just need, you know, vocal support. But have you asked yourself, like, are there other things I can do that are more meaningful that wouldn't clean up my image externally? You know, like... Maybe it's giving some of your money to a cause that supports whatever this issue is, you know? Or maybe it's like educating yourself or maybe it's putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation and like putting yourself in an environment to like actually have to sacrifice something. And I think that it's so easy nowadays to lie to ourselves and to fool ourselves into thinking that we've like, done anything meaningful by posting on social media um and you know like sometimes that matters and sometimes what would matter more is doing something that like people aren't even going to see at first and so I think like a lot of companies are in that same situation where the people that are running the company haven't made any progress about like educating themselves in their own lives but then they're trying to put on these marketing campaigns or whatever um, that that make it seem like they have. And, you know, like a lot of times companies can get away with that. You know, it's not like people are always going to know. But I think if you really care about like a cause, you should want it to come from an authentic place. Um, and I think, you know, just being fully transparent, like I think something um, Hopefully, Rebel won't mind sharing this. Uh, maybe we, we can, can edit it out. Second, yeah, yeah. If not, I'll ask her afterwards. <laughs> um, but, you know, like we had conversations about, you know, we want to be intentional about what we're posting on our social media, you know, and we want to make sure that we're being representative. 
But here's a question. And again, like this is a perfect example of something that's not black and white. If we're a business and we are focused on putting um, images out that make us, you know, that are inclusive, but we can't pay for models yet. Like what if all the, you know, people that were texting in Texas are, you know, white? Like, well, would it be better to try to like find somebody who's not white to be in the photo shoot just to have like that diversity? Or is it better for us to be like, okay, clearly like we might have done something wrong in our social circle because all the people that we're close enough to in this area to text are white. So like, we're just gonna have to have those people be the ones in the shoot. And then we're just gonna have to do better in our own personal life. Of, you know, like, why are we only around people that look like us? And I think that, again, like not a black and white answer, but just like things that you run into when you're starting a company and you want to do things well, but you also want to be real, you know? Yeah. So what was that like for you um, when you like realized it? And what was it like? So Rebel was the one that like kind of brought it up. And I think... I don't want to like speak for her, but I think it was this moment of like, I think it was a good realization. Like, I think that's the kind of learning that only comes when you're willing to be introspective, you know? Um, I like, I don't know that there was like a good answer from either of us, but I do think, you know, like specifically in, I would say like Fort Worth, there's not the same diversity that there are like in other places of texas um and so i think it was just this realization of like oh wow you know there might be perspectives and relationships and things that we're missing out on purely because we are so comfortable in our own little bubble of where we live you know and and then i think the question is like Okay, well, obviously, there's like people that don't look like us in this area. So, what is it about our routine or the places that we're choosing to go that are exposing us only to people that look like us? Right. So, um, you can ask the question of like, why did I choose the gym I chose? Why do I choose to go to the bars or the clubs that I choose to go to? Why do I choose to go to the church that I go to? You know, and I think just asking those questions about like, why did I make these choices and why did I not make other choices mm-hmm. is like the first step to, to like kind of understanding how you got there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I think these are great uh, questions to be asking. And I know that you're asking these and way more, um, which is part of why I think that we have such a good friendship still. You know what I mean? Like it's been a big year. <laughs> uh, it's been a big few years. and. Um, I know that the number one thing that has shifted, um, I know in my life and I'm sure in yours on some level, uh, is like relationships, right? Like just accessibility, location, um, political views, just different things that came up like in the last few years, like it's really shifted a lot. Um, but I think, uh, to borrow your term, uh, of like tension, you know, uh, I really, I think that these these opportunities for attention have been good for us. Um, mm-hmm. And and also borrowing your your worldview a little bit, um, I'm excited to see what comes of it. 
Uh, so I guess we'll just have to stay tuned, you know? So for those of you listening, thanks for hanging with us. I know it's been a wonderful conversation of a lot of things we've gone um, to just a bunch of different topics within the space. But if you want to stay connected with what Megan is doing, um, the work that she's, uh, you know, been putting in to make a lifestyle brand that suits women uh, who are doing a lot of things and juggling a lot of things and don't need to have to choose, uh, then you can find her on social. You can find her on um, the website. Uh, so at, and, at the end brand uh, and also the end brand .co. Uh, If you type com, just backspace one time and you'll be good. Um, and right now, I think if you join, you're able to actually become part of her founders club. Uh, so if you want to make yeah. a little bit about founders, that'd be fun. Yeah, pretty much just like a thank you to the people that are our early supporters. So we have something called the Founders Club right now where um, you pretty much get in. If you follow us on social media, tag a couple friends in your favorite posts and subscribe to our email list and you'll lock in 10% off for life. Yeah. So whether it's a long life or a short life, you got discounts. So <laughs> I'm excited for you and me. Um, and I just feel this has been a really wonderful conversation. I just want to thank you, Megan, for showing up in fullness and for just being here um, just as you are, uh, I think. I think this is a little fun. Is there anything you want to say before we like close out? Because I want to make sure that you got everything out. Oh man, no, just that you're the best. Like you said, you know, we've had a lot of hard conversations over the past year and like we don't shy away from talking about the crazy stuff. But like, I think that you bring so much transparency and uh, yeah, it makes it, makes it easy to, to be a like, lifelong friend to you. I feel that with you, man. We're going to get old and look back and be like, damn, we used to look so young. <laughs> Kidding. We're going to look young forever because we have both chosen a life of health. <laughs> so this will be this will be great. We're going to look wonderful. We'll look better than 20-year-olds. So y'all better watch out for us. Um, anyway, it's been a wonderful time. Thank you so much for listening. Y'all follow the end, friends. All right? You heard it here. We'll talk soon. Bye.